Welcome to Explain It for the sixth Sunday of Easter, and the gospel lesson is taken from the Gospel of John, John chapter 16, verses 23 through 33. Now, at the end of the reading of that gospel, verse 33, Jesus says these words to his disciples, and he says these words also to us. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, Jesus is very clear to us that living in this world as aliens and strangers, uh, that we're going to have, he calls it, trouble. Now, that trouble might come in a variety of different ways. Uh, You know, troubles from uh, external things, uh, such as persecution or uh, our bodies, they're frail um, and they get sick. Um, and uh, death itself. Uh, there's internal troubles, you know, the things that go deep, go on deep inside within us, in our heart and in our mind. And there's also uh, soul struggle, which is the sense that the devil attacks our faith. Now, these, uh, these troubles also have kind of very striking metaphors as well. Jesus speaks often as, uh, you know, this, this adversary that is against us, that he is uh, the serpent. Uh, the father of lies. Peter describes him as a predator, a lion roaring, looking for someone to devour. Uh, Jesus warns often of the persecution that will become that will come because of uh, of him. Of him, if they persecuted me, they also will persecute you. Um, there's also the images of the you know the blindness that is ours spiritually. Uh, that we also are sick spiritually, dying the wage of sin being death, there are those metaphors, but also uh, the troubles uh, speaking um, like it's a a war. We're engaged in conflict, that there is a battle and uh, you need a shield and a helmet and protection, but also weapons. And uh, Jesus often speaks about how this fighting is, is ongoing, but he is going to be going to be for us. So the good news in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that he takes these troubles of this world, sin, death, and all the attacks of the devil upon himself. And he wins. On the third day, he rises from the dead. He rules and he reigns and he he gives to us gifts. He gives to us all of his promises. So he often says to his disciples, you know, peace to you. My peace I give to you. Uh, in John 14, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. So this God is forever blessing us, right? He, he does not hold anything back. He is super abundant in the giving of all of his gifts. We have this great blessing in Numbers chapter 6, verses 23 through 27. And perhaps you often hear it at the end of uh, a time of worship. It's called the Arianic Blessing. You note there it says three times, the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give to you his peace. So a triune God who is super abundant in the giving of his gifts. The Father is the creator uh, who gives all things uh, daily bread. He he opens his hand and satisfies the desires of every living thing. And so uh, we, we are encouraged to pray to him. Ask and will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And Jesus often speaks about how we can pray to a father, a good father. Uh, when we ask for bread, he doesn't give us a stone or 
ask for an egg. He doesn't give us a, a scorpion. He tells those stories. He says, uh, your earthly fathers, they're not perfect. Um, and yet, um, you know, they will not fail to give you what you need. So how much more are your heavenly father? So the father doesn't withhold any of those gifts. Jesus doesn't withhold any of his gifts. He gives his life for us. All of his works are ours. Uh, the payment for sin is ours. He's our brother. He intercedes for us. And the Holy Spirit then offers and distributes all of these gifts to us as well. Super abundant. And we're continually receiving all the gifts of Jesus and all of the gifts that the Spirit desires to give to us. Now, the Old Testament lesson is from Numbers chapter 21. And it speaks of this trouble. And, uh, you know, sometimes we just do it to ourselves. That's that's the trouble. That's the consequence of our sin. Sometimes this trouble comes from just living in this corrupt and depraved world. Uh, sometimes the trouble is brought on by the devil himself. And sometimes God is chastening us. He's disciplining us as dear children. So we see a, we see a count of this in, in Numbers. In fact, the whole book of Numbers is really about uh, the corrupted heart right? They've been brought out of Egypt. This people uh, has been delivered from slavery and brought into a relationship with God. But we see uh, this corruption clings to them. They are rebellious. But it's also the story of God in Jesus keeping all of his promises and working this this act of redemption, freeing us, uh, providing for us, again, all the works of Messiah. So if you read the book of Numbers, you pretty quickly you see it's a story of these people who are grumbling and complaining and rebelling. Uh, it starts uh, when they make the golden calf in Exodus chapter 32. Um, as we'll find out today, they, they're always talking about going back to Egypt. Uh, they say, we had it so much better in the land of slavery. Isn't that, isn't that something, right? Always wanting go, to go back to slavery, thinking you had it better uh, as a slave. You have the report of the 12 spies going into the promised land. They all say it's a good land, but 10 of them say uh, there's giants there. We can't take the land. And so the people end up wandering for 40 years. There's rebellion within the ranks. Um, and uh, then this story, uh, that is our Old Testament reading, the story of the serpents that come and bite the people and they cry out. And Moses is told to raise the standard, a bronze serpent, so that the people could look at it. Uh, and receive healing. Now, Numbers chapter 11 speaks about this this rebellion. It says there, the the rabble. Now, you know, we don't hear that word often, but, you know, maybe you think of rabble rousers, right? The the rabble begin to crave other types of food. And they say such things as, if only we had, had meat to eat. And then they say, we remember Oh, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt and the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. And they said, but but now we have lost our appetite and we never see anything but this manna. Uh, and so they're complaining about the food that God has provided, the daily bread. They also complain about uh, water. And so they quarrel with Moses and they say, you know, if only we had died when our brothers uh, when they rebelled, they died. If only we would have died with them. And so Numbers chapter 20 says, uh, you know, the, the people say, why did, why did you bring the community? 
why did uh, we come out into this desert and we're going to die and our livestock are going to die? And why did you bring us up out of Egypt, Moses, to this terrible place? It doesn't have any grain or figs or grapevines or pomegranates. And they say there is no water to drink. So in Numbers chapter 21, one more account, the people come to this mountain called Mount Hor, and uh, they begin to speak against God and against Moses. And again, they are saying, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There's no bread. There's no water. We detest this miserable food, this manna from heaven. And then it says there, verse 6 of Numbers chapter 21, the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. And they bit the people, and many Israelites died. And then, verses 7 and following says, The people come to Moses, and they say, We have sinned. We have sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. So pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. And so Moses prays for the people, and God tells Moses, verses 8 and 9 of Numbers 21, Make a snake and put it up on a pole, and anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. And so the text says Moses made this bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. Now, the snake in the wilderness, and as we've been learning in our 40-day challenge, explain it to challenge, there are shadows and realities. The shadows are always pointing to the reality of Jesus Christ. So we have a foreshadowing of Jesus, the one who will be put on a standard that everyone who is snake bit by sin, death, and the devil can look to him, and when they look to him, they will be healed. So John chapter 3 gives us the fulfillment of Numbers chapter 21, and this helpful little phrase, just as, so also. So John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 Right before that beautiful gospel proclamation of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Right before that are these words. Just as Moses, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him. So this goes all the way back to the promise of Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The promise after the fall into sin, that God one day would send the promised seed of the woman, the Messiah. And there's going to be um, enmity between the woman, seed, Messiah, and also the serpent. And this seed of the woman is going to come and crush the head crush the authority of the serpent. But in the process, the serpent is going to strike at the heel of the promised seed. In other words, uh, this seed of the woman is going to be mortally wounded. He will be snake bit. But in his death, in his paying the wage for sin, in his death and his resurrection, even though he is snake bit by the sins of the world, by by the devil himself, Uh, and he pays the wage for sin. Though he is snake bit, he defeats death. He rises again. He wins. And as he wins, he gives gifts. Now, perhaps you've seen in the the medical field, uh, 
a symbolization of uh, this healing is a snake on a standard. Now, interesting, you know, a little bit of history. That, you know, that story in Numbers chapter 21 happened around 1400 B- BC. But there was this cult uh, and rod, I hope I can say this right, Asclepius, about 460 B- BC, that uh, they attributed this, this healing to uh, a serpent on the snake. So it really goes back all the way to Numbers chapter 21, but the medical field doesn't reference necessarily Numbers 21, but this this rod of Asclepius. Now, I bring that up because um, really what it's talking about here is healing. Now, spiritual healing in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so there is a diagnosis, just like a doctor makes. Well, the spiritual diagnosis is that the sin has corrupted us, has infected us, and the wage of it, the result of it, is is death. But there is a medicine. There is a medicine for the snake bite, and that is the seed of the woman, Jesus Christ. He is snake bit for us, then hung up on a cross for us all to to look at, to believe in, to trust in. And the hospital then is uh, the church. Wherever the word of God is proclaimed, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, there we have uh, the proclamation of Jesus hung high and lifted up and raised again on the third day. So the message for those of us who who are sick is repent. Acknowledge the illness, understand your rebellion and your corruption, that you're far away from God. Repent of it. But here, receive the medicine. Receive the good news of the gospel. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Again, Jesus was snake bit for for our sins and our transgressions. And exchange he gives to us his healing, the medicine of the gospel. And then when we receive that, we rejoice. And then we repeat it. Repent, receive, rejoice, repeat. John chapter 16, verse 33 again. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world.